loving others as God loved us. Next on Abounding Grace. How can we be in the right position to let brotherly love continue? It speaks to us in our own day and age, in our own personal trials, in the difficulties we face in our culture, that as the church, we would be known for our love, not for our harshness, not for our anger, not for everything we don't like and everything we're against and everything that's dark and everything that's sinful, but rather we would let brotherly love continue. And it starts with us individually. I mean, if we're not able to love other believers, we're not able to work out our own issues among ourselves, then we're going to have a very strong witness in a world. In a world that just doesn't want to work anything out. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. For some of you, you've been hit with one trial after another this year and you're really struggling. The temptation at such times is to pull away from others, stop loving, and even turn bitter and angry. But God's word to you is this, let brotherly love continue. And that's the emphasis of today's Abounding Grace as we enter into Hebrews chapter 13. Today we receive some practical guidelines for Christian living. We'll encounter some warnings and exhortations, and it all starts with a call to love. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Take that Bible and open it, please, to Hebrews chapter 13. If you want to get ahead, we're also going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So Hebrews chapter 13, as we start a new chapter, winding down now toward the end of our study in Hebrews. And what a study it has been. So we come to the close of this book in Hebrews. The author, who you know by now, I believe is Paul, is going to give some final exhortations and encouragement to the struggling Hebrew believers. It's like, you know, as if your teenager was going out driving for the first time and you got those final exhortations. Be careful, slow down, follow the speed limit, be home on time. Well, Paul has some similar exhortations to us, to the Hebrew believers and by way of application to us, toward the end of this letter. It's almost like he's saying, hey, look, I've talked to you about doctrine. I've talked to you about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. I've talked to you how Jesus is more important than all of the rituals and the shadows. And now as I'm closing, I want to remind you of things that you need to remember. And even though we've learned a lot through our study, remember the context is to a group of believers that are literally living on the edge. They're living on the edge of turning away from Jesus. It's been a hard road for them, as I know for many of you, following Jesus. And when things are hard and difficult, all sorts of choices and options pop up on the radar. For them, they're dealing with rejection and pain. They they literally lost everyone and everything in their lives. Oh, not because of their own behavior, but because of their choice to follow Jesus. Many people responded by disowning them. They lost their job. They lost their resources. Some of them were even thrown in jail. And the rejection of pain of losing everyone and everything was challenging and hard. 
So remember, these exhortations come in the context of pain and trials and suffering and temptation. They're battling with the consequences of their new identity in Christ. They're wondering about their future and having regrets about their past. And you know as well as I do, whenever pain enters in, other parts of our lives have a tendency to suffer as well. It seems as if pain, you know the old adage, and I found this to be true, that hurting people hurt others. And it is something, it's like a wave that comes through people's lives where in their pain, they then share that pain. I, I think of those that are bitter. Those that are bitter and in sin, they defile people. They hurt other people by their own bitterness. And I think of all the temptations that they face, these Hebrew believers. Paul, he writes in verse 1, let brotherly love continue. It's that reminder that you're a part of the family of God. As we read in the psalm, he takes the solitary and he puts them in families. And so this admonition, this encouragement, say, hey, on all that you're facing and all that you're going through, let, it's like participate in the brotherly love that's already there. Keep it going. Don't let it stop with you. As you probably already know, one of the first things to go when trials and temptations come our way is love. I've seen many a believer become very loveless in their trial and in their difficulty and in their loss. But the word says, let it continue. The brotherly love. For you Bible students, you know that this is the Greek word Philadelphia or also translated phileo. It speaks of that brother-sister type of love, that deep bond of friendship love. Make sure you stay friendly. Make sure that you let the love of God that connects you with other people not only continue, but continue strongly. And the brotherly love of the church is just a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. There are times when our relationships within the church can be even closer than our family. Our family, like the, the Hebrew believers that might have turned on us because we're now saved. We're following Jesus and they don't like it. And then now you have the brothers and the sisters. And it's a beautiful thing because it's not just within our local church. You can literally go to any church in anywhere around the world and have an immediate brotherly, sisterly connection of the love of God. But it doesn't start there, does it? It starts first with Another word that's used to describe love, it's a different facet. You may, re, you may have heard it as the agape love of God. And the agape love of God is described for us. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, because I think as we see this, we see what it looks like, at least partially, what brotherly love really looks like. And how can we be in the right position to let brotherly love continue? It speaks to us in our own day and age, in our own personal trials, in the difficulties we face in our culture, that as the church, we would be known for our love, not for our harshness, not for our anger, not for everything we don't like and everything we're against and everything that's dark and everything that's sinful, but rather we would let brotherly love continue. And it starts with us individually. I mean, if we're not able to love other believers, we're not able to work out our own issues among ourselves, then we're going to have a very strong witness in a world. In a world that just doesn't want to work anything out, that's looking for hope, but they're not willing to admit it. They're looking for hope, but they're not willing to say that. Instead, they're clinging so tightly to their philosophies and humanistic ideas 
only finding more pain and more hurt. When they come to the church, they come to us, one of the things they should notice and see, not just hear, but notice and see, is a brotherly love that is birthed in God. Notice verse 1 of Ephesians 4. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beg you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let brotherly love continue. And it starts with these characteristics. The first one is lowliness. The idea behind that word in the Greek language, the original language, is to be brought low or to be humbled. To be brought into a situation that truly takes you from one place and brings you to a lower place. It's the opposite of asserting yourself. You know, we live in a culture that's taught us very, assert yourself, assert yourself, defend yourself, take up every fight. And there are just some people among us that just love to fight about everything. But the Bible speaks of a lowliness combined, notice, with gentleness. That's a mark of the agape love of God, gentleness. A, a gentle spirit. Someone that, another word for this, describing Jesus was meek. You know, Jesus was humble, lowly, gentle, and yet he was also meek, not full of pride. You know, a person that, that has a hard time with lowliness and gentleness is captured by pride. Pride and arrogance are enemies of brotherly love. Pride and arrogance are enemies of brotherly love. A prideful person not only isn't lowly, not only isn't gentle, but a prideful person loves to control everything. Pride makes me feel like I know it all, that I'm smarter than everyone, that I'm wiser than everyone, and that everyone wants to know how smart I am. And a prideful person doesn't like to give freedom to the work of the Holy Spirit, but fights against everything they don't agree with. And yet humility lowliness, gentleness. Notice the next one is long-suffering. The, the, the idea behind this word is that you have a long fuse before you blow up. So, so a person walking in agape love and then demonstrating that among, isn't someone that's blown up all the time and angry and frustrated. Not only that, but as we deal with one another, we bear with one another. Another way of saying this is you put up with each other's idiosyncrasies. You put up with other people's differences. Not only do you acknowledge that people are going to be different, but you put up with it. You're not always trying to change and trying to shape and mold, but rather you recognize there's differences and you bear with one another. How? In love. It's a manifestation of love. But more than anything, he summarizes the sentence in verse 3, endeavoring. The idea of endeavoring is, is to exert yourself or to put up a strong fight. He's almost like he's saying, if you're going to fight for anything, fight for this. And he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And it's such a word from God to us because there's so much division today. And it's not even only over secondary doctrinal things. Everybody's dividing about just about anything that can, you can divide over. And it's interrupting our brotherly love. It's ruining and soiling our witness and the church is becoming known as just an angry group that's mad and goes from this church to that church and that church and that. And they're not happy about this or not. And the gospel has been drowned out. And it's like the Bible says, hey, look, God is saying, get back to brotherly love. 
Just let it continue. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to create it. You don't have to read a book about it. As you abide in Christ, he then takes these characteristics and they live out in your life. The way of the cross is humility and self-sacrifice. Unconditional love. Keeping the unity that's already there. Walking in humility. Like the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 verse 18. The Bible says, if it's possible, as much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Exert yourself toward unity. Not fighting, not competing, not angry all the time, but rather walking in the spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. So beautiful. Come back to Hebrews now. Let's look at the second admonition or the exhortation here as the chapter begins. He says, let brotherly love continue. And secondly, he says, don't forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. This is neat. He says, don't forget. In the next one, he's going to say, remember. So now he says, don't forget this one thing. Don't forget to entertain strangers. Don't forget to connect with people you don't know. Don't forget that. You know, because when you're caught up in whatever's going on in your life, you just care about yourself. You just care about maybe self-preservation. You just care about your opinion, care about your attitude. And you don't care about strangers anymore. The gospel is for strangers. You and I were strangers to God. And aren't you glad somebody entered into your life? Could have been a mom, could have been a dad, grandma, grandpa, could have been a friend, a co-worker. It could have been a stranger to you that was obeying this scripture. Don't forget to entertain strangers. This applies to believers and unbelievers alike. God has called us not to isolation, but to infiltration. Like God has called us to be in the world, but not of the world. Now, the word that would describe this, the Bible word that would describe this is hospitality. Do you know in 1 Timothy chapter 3, when Paul is telling Timothy as he's looking for leaders and elders in the church, he says that one of the things that they're to have is to be hospitable. And that is, that has the idea of serving, loving, and listen, opening your home to strangers, opening your home to people. And that, that's believer and unbeliever alike. Not, not just your home though. It's not exclusive to your home. It's more so if you broaden it, it's opening your heart. If you are not one to serve others that you don't know and you haven't met and maybe are different than you, then you're going to have a hard time being a leader in the church, you're going to have a hard time being a believer because true Christian love always, you, wherever you find true Christian love, you will always find true Christian hospitality. Hospitality is a big part of the Christian witness in the world. But here's a challenge. We've just become so skeptical and critical of others in our culture. And for some, that's, there's good reason. Like this isn't just something you open, you, you walk in wisdom, you just so wide open everything and just trust it. Like obviously you're going to walk in wisdom, you're going to be careful, but some people have that, that pendulum has swung so far over, you haven't talked to a stranger about Jesus in years. That is not the will of God. It's not the will of God for you to not interface with people you don't know, to not connect with people you haven't met yet, or to have a heart for others. And you're going to see that this whole section here is all about thinking of others remembering others. And he says, don't forget to entertain strangers. Now, 
This whole thing that we've been introduced in the last 12 months, as I believe, has done great damage to many of, many of us. And it's that phrase, social distancing. Social distancing is the antithesis of Christian hospitality. Now, let me pause and just acknowledge that in this time of crisis and the reality that people can be sick, the distancing or respecting others' desires is something we should do. And we be careful. There might be people that just want that in their lives, and we want to be respectful. We don't want to just shove it down their throat, oh, don't be so scared and don't be so fearful. We'll respect where they're at in their lives and still continue to build a relationship with them. However, I don't know if you've noticed, but this idea of social distancing has made people want to avoid other people. That's not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord for us to ignore other people, avoid every. I know when we were in California recently, there were people that would go on the other side of the street because we were on the sidewalk. And I mean, we had our face coverings on everything, but you could tell that there was just this nervousness and this, listen, this irrational fear. It is not God's will for you and I to live in irrational fear. That's where the Bible says that he's not given us a spirit of fear. Like that's irrational fear. Now, the concern for your health, I know I just did a house visit recently. I, I wore my face covering in honor of the person that's very sick. Like respect is different. Showing respect for people is different than staying away from people. The whole purpose of the Christian life is to enter into other people's lives and to connect with each other. So, so even this conditioning, it's like, well, you know, just stay away from people. Don't have people in your house. Don't have people over. That is not the Christian witness. It's just not. And as you assess in your own life, perhaps it's not your home. Maybe right now in your home, you say, no, right now we don't want anyone in our home. Well, then find a place to meet with people and meet with them then. Go, go to a coffee shop. Go to a restaurant. Find someone. Go to a park and sit on a bench. But don't close your heart to the stranger. It's a Christian hospitality. And then he says at the end, which is kind of cool, he says, hey, don't do it because you never know. You might be entertaining angels. And I think what he has in his mind here is back in Genesis 18, remember? Abraham had those visitors that came to his house. He had no idea. He was entertaining angels, and he was entertaining Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate appearance. He had no idea. But what was he? Hospitable. Come on in. Let me serve you. Let me love you. Let me care for you. That is the witness of the church. And in times of difficulty, love and hospitality have a way of disappearing. And then what witness does the church have? Notice number three. Look at number three now in verse three. He says, remember the prisoners as if chained with them and those who are mistreated since you yourselves are in the body also. So he goes from, don't forget the strangers, and then he says very specifically, you, in times of death, you need to remember prisoners and those that are mistreated. Now, that's a large group of people. Now, not only does that refer to those that are in prison, and here the context would be the primary group of people he's referring to would be those believers they're in the body, those believers that because of their Christian witness end up in prison. Remember, Paul would tell Timothy, he got thrown in prison many times for his faith. And Paul would tell Timothy, hey, remember me. Remember me. Don't, don't neglect me when I'm in chains. And he was in chains many times. As a matter of fact, the text is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. To have a sympathetic heart to those that are in prison. And here's what happens. When we think of prisoners, there's a very natural way of thinking, well, they deserve it. They deserve it. So why should I remember them? That they get what they deserve. Well, maybe they are getting what they deserve. And remember them. And show compassion on them. And be there for them. Serve them. Minister and pray for them. Like it's very important that we don't forget prisoners. Not just those that might be believers, but unbelievers alike. The church is to permeate the world. And it's not just to sit back. I, I know that I was in jail before and I deserved it. And I'm grateful that the love of God reached me too. We don't forget prisoners. We don't forget what God wants to accomplish in the life of a person just because of the consequences of their sinful behavior. You know why? Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. Remember the prisoners. Not just that, he says, remember those who are mistreated. Think of in our world today, in our culture today, how many people are just simply mistreated, taken advantage of. I think of the poor. I think of the homeless. I think of the immigrants. I think of those that are on the other side of racism. They're mistreated. We're not to forget them. And we're not to participate in that nonsense we're, we're, or sin. I call it nonsense. It's actually nonsensical sin. We're to be the type of church, the type of believers that walk in love. And we're to remember there's a special mention here in the Bible that our hearts, our hearts are to remember those that are mistreated. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We hope you got a lot out of the study called Expressing the Brotherly Love of Christ. If so, you can hear it again and even share it with friends and loved ones when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also have an app, and that's easy to find and download when you search for Ed Taylor. Abounding Grace is also available on Apple Podcasts. Well, Pastor Ed, today you encouraged us to entertain strangers as we just might be entertaining an angel as we do. Can you think of a time when you walked away from an encounter or experience and couldn't help but wonder if you just met an angel? Larry, that's an interesting question. I, I, I was thinking it through and I don't have a specific time that I could pinpoint where I walked away and just thought, oh, I have, however met a lot of interesting people along the way in my journey following Jesus. And I think it's going to be one of those surprises of heaven where your simple faithfulness in living out your life unto the Lord has intersected us with not only just great people, but perhaps even a supernatural encounter. Um, but I wish I could say, oh, you know, it was this time and this place and, and that person just disappeared or something like that. But but I don't have a testimony like that. And, and perhaps I'll just minister to some of you listening that there is that time where you, you don't have a specific testimony like someone else does. And, and you, you sort of feel like, wow, maybe uh, maybe my walk with the Lord isn't as good as theirs. But you know, we, we don't all experience the same thing and we don't all go through the same thing. And uh, we have different life experiences and different uh, paths along this journey following Jesus. Um, but I wish I could. I wish I could think of one, um, but I don't really have one. But I do have to say, boy, have I met a lot of wonderful men and women. And perhaps 
uh, even angels along the way where just loving, caring, wonderful people that would remind me never to neglect entertaining strangers because you just don't know uh, how the Lord wants to use you or them in your life. Hey, thanks for sharing that, Pastor Ed. Each month, we pick out a book to help you develop a spiritual library with the hope and prayer it will aid you in your walk with the Lord. Here in September, we've got a good one to share with you, written by Louis Giglio, titled, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Would you like to break free from the chains of negative thinking and experience true freedom from unhealthy thoughts and emotions? You can. In this book, you'll discover practical ways to overcome Satan's lies and find peace and security in any situation you find yourself in. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE or order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is a nonprofit radio ministry located in Aurora, Colorado. We're thankful for each and every listener that comes alongside us to help bring these teachings to your community every day. You can make a donation online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Don't miss our next study in Hebrews. We'll pick up right where we left off today. That's here at Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.